If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Hey, we are getting into the topic everyone has been waiting for constipation yes this is a topic i talk about most often every day yes you even have a t-shirt about pooping (laughs) yeah you got that for me in jackson hole with the little i poop today stick figure (laughs) t-shirt yeah we had to track it down because we'd seen it in the window didn't purchase it had i guess anti-buyer's remorse and then i tracked it back down and we got it (laughs) it's now in the wardrobe (laughs) Well, maybe we should make that t-shirt the cover art for this episode. Yeah, let's do it. Why is constipation so problematic? Well, it is so common and it impacts, and no pun intended, that you have so many things, stomach aches and headaches from not eating, fatigue and all kinds of things that, that come into play there. How do we define constipation? I see several problems that fall under constipation, the painful bowel movements, blood with bowel movements, abdominal distension and gas, pain after eating, nausea, and leaking stool accidents. It sounds like a sneaky problem that resembles a lot of other problems. That's true. I guess the simplest diagnosis of constipation revolves around the infrequent or painful stooling, especially if it takes a long time to get stool out. Well, kids really go days or weeks between normal bowel movements. Yeah. I never saw a child literally fill a toilet with stool until during an ER shift during residency. Oh, that's terrible. It was pretty bad. Can, yeah, can a child stool daily and still be constipated? They can. And that's one of the things that I think people come in often and say they don't have constipation. They poop every day. But with slow transit constipation, stool is moving through very slowly, as the name implies, and some comes out frequently, but there's still so much backed up in there. Is there a target age for this problem? So when somebody comes in with this problem, I can almost always say that they're four to six years of age. And so it's also a similar age when I see patients with hyperactive bladders due to holding in urine and they're having urine accidents and um, urinary frequency as well. Is there a reason for that at this age? I think it's the underlying FOMO where they're prioritizing play over eating and using the bathroom. So it leads to the voiding accidents and stooling accidents. You talk about constipation being a cycle. How does this cycle get out of hand? It makes sense where you start the cycle with a painful bowel movement, then they hold stool in to avoid the pain. So stool becomes bigger and harder and more painful. And when they go longer to avoid stooling, things become even worse. And so, and the cycle just keeps continuing from there. Mm. So a behavioral problem becomes a physical problem. Right. The choices they make lead to a stretched out colon, which both defines their problem and then makes their problem worse as more stretching occurs. And that's what makes this a sneaky problem where a child is actually appearing okay for long stretches because they can hold a lot of stool 
in a distended colon over months and years. Yeah, it really isn't until the problems like stool leaking out around all the hard stool in their colon do kids come in. So these kids are mostly on their own for stooling. They're, they're four to six. They've been toilet trained now. And so we are not keeping track of their stooling. And so I, I ask people if they know when, when their child last stooled, but I will tell them that it may have been years since my youngest child last stooled, like since he was two. So I, I wouldn't have any idea of the answer to the question I'm asking. So it's totally judgment-free. So what this looks like is stooling accidents alternating with infrequent hard stool. Let's divide the discussion into constipation for in infants and constipation for toddlers. What is normal stooling for infants? So initially, they are stooling with every time they eat, and that gradually transitions over a couple of months to once daily, and as infrequently as once weekly for breast milk-fed kids, and every three days for formula-fed kids. So I tell people to look at the baby and treat the baby and not treat the calendar. So don't look at how often they're stooling, but look at how the baby's doing. And so if they're not bloated and not in pain, then I don't worry about treating that. And babies sometimes seem to struggle with stooling initially, huh? Initially, they seem to be really uncomfortable sometimes with their intestines moving because they haven't had any intestine movements for nine months when they were inside of mom. And so now they're moving so often and they don't like that sometimes. And sometimes they even strain while keeping their bottom closed when they first start stooling and really make this big show with this tug of war between their intestines getting stool out and their bottom trying to keep stool in. And so it looks like constipation and then soft stool comes out. So it's kind of confusing. So these kiddos just need time to work out how to pass a bowel movement. How do we treat constipation for infants? Well, to start off, let's talk about pushers and mushers. Yeah, what is a musher? This is anything that makes stool softer. And what's a pusher? This is something that works to actively move stool along. So it's a motility agent where it's actually pushing things through. How do you use mushers and pushers for infants? So for mushers, the first step is to increase the fiber and fluids through diet. So increasing fruits and vegetables in diet when age appropriate. And then I'll use prune juice or similar about one to two ounces a day. And prune juice is the best because it has the most amount of natural sorbitol. So I'll do the one to two ounces per day and one to two times every day. And I use prune juice because nobody else will drink it. So it will save money on your juice budget. If you buy apple juice and everybody will pound that. So, um, but then prune juice is kind of both a musher and a pusher. Then the second step for mushers is to use supplemental fiber like Benefiber in the water or juice. And I start with one to two teaspoons and increase that dose until a stool is soft. And then I'll adjust the dose to give a daily soft stool. Then the third step is a pusher to use like daily Miralax at a dose that gives a daily soft stool. One to two teaspoons is usually sufficient for little kids. And then we go up from there. But I adjust the dose to give a daily soft stool. What is normal stooling for older kids? They should have a daily soft stool, have no abdominal pain and little gas. And so I see kids with lots of gas, especially bad smelling gas. And they probably have stool that has been fermenting for a long time in their colon. Let's talk about treating constipation in older kids. There are three steps to this. One, a colon clean out. Two, daily medication. And then three, retraining the body. Clean out is first. Is this like a colonoscopy clean out? Yeah, exactly the same. And this is kind of how we do a reset for everything in their intestines to clean everything out. So 
I'd plan at least three days to spend with your child at home, be near a bathroom. Your child will not be able to attend school. And then we use an age and weight appropriate large doses of Miralax ranging from four to 14 capfuls in Gatorade or similar over eight hours each day, plus X-lax at the start and finish of the, of, the, of the eight hours. So it's just like a colonoscopy clean out. Next comes our daily medications for maintenance. So I plan on daily medication for about six months. This helps keep the colon empty, keeps the stool soft, and helps get the colon down to a normal size where it's been stretched out. And then I want them to resolve their accidents, have no more blood in the stool, no abdominal pain. How do you use mushers and pushers here? For the mushers, my first step is to increase the fiber and fluids through diet and then increase the water and fruits and vegetables and then have a water goal of some number of cups a day for their age. So a side question, how successful is increasing fruits and vegetable consumption in picky kids? That is a great question. And I am very realistic about the success with increasing fruits and vegetables in a kid's diet. It's totally a great goal and to totally worth trying. But I'm also realistic that they may not go for lots of fruits and vegetables. So the second step becomes using supplemental fiber, such as Benafiber, to increase the dose until stool is soft. I use one to two teaspoons in a cup of water or juice daily once to twice a day. And that may go up to one to two tablespoons once or twice a day if needed. But my goal is a daily soft stool. And I often say that water plus fiber equals happy poop. So that's something I talk about a lot. And then I'll move to a pusher, which is the third step to use that daily Miralax at a dose that gives a daily soft stool. And that can be one half to two capfuls daily for older kids. Last but most important is the tactical poop. Yes, the tactical poop comes from the show Bluey, and people have watched that in the episodes about tactical wheeze. But this is a scheduled toilet time to help retrain the body, and this is the most important because it helps to break the habit they've gotten into of, of that cycle of delaying stools. You set a regular scheduled time for sitting on the toilet. The best time is after meals when they have a natural gastrocolic reflex between their stomach and intestine where the new food coming in tells the intestines, hey, new food is coming, make room for the new food so the intestines want to make space and move stool out. So I'll say about two to three minutes on the toilet after e each meal. I'll often talk about, you know, have the meal, um, help with the dishes, and then go to the bathroom, um, even if they don't have the urge to go, but keep it positive. And so start daily times toileting about 15 minutes after the meal, Sometimes it can be like a favorite show they can watch for two minutes for trying. And then if they're successful, they get 10 more minutes to watch the show on the couch. And you can use Alexa to remind you for fun, you know, set some voice timers on Alexa or something similar. And I can share all this on a handout that we can put on the website along with a helpful video. Who doesn't want to watch a video about pooping? I know, right? Totally. <laughs> Mentioned before, but how long should we plan to treat? I do set that goal of six months so that people have an expectation that this isn't just something that will get better in a couple of days or a week, but it takes some time. Are there things that look like constipation, but aren't? There are some conditions like IBS, you know, irritable bowel syndrome or celiac disease or, or Hirschsprungs or some conditions. And I will involve a GI specialist if we cannot figure out a solution together. What's the process for journaling pain? 
So it is so helpful to have a pain journal before people come in for this kind of visit or really for any kind of chronic problem. What is about what is it about journaling that is helpful? <clears throat> you know, for a busy parent trying to recall all the times your kids complain is difficult. And kids are always complaining all the time. So trying to recall past complaints is like asking, what did you have for lunch two weeks ago, Thursday? But if we keep a perspective journal, you know, it's prospective, looking forward, our ability to see patterns really improves. So I ask for a pain journal about two weeks of symptoms. I ask where it hurts, when it hurts, what it feels like, how long it lasts, what makes it better, what makes it worse. I ask to document stooling frequency. And that pattern really helps predict the problem. So we can figure out the pain pattern together and work on a diagnosis. And this helps to really narrow down the differential of problems to avoid excessive testing like blood tests and imaging studies. And that's exactly right. I think the because the list and the differential of diagnoses for abdominal pain and those kind of things is so big that it really helps to avoid lots of unnecessary blood draws and x-rays and MRIs that can be expensive and time-consuming for busy families. But I know their goal is to make sure the kiddo gets better but I also feel like if we can narrow down what is happening most likely, it will save a lot of time and expense for families. Well, this has been a fun and helpful journey through the world of constipation. Yes, a fun trip like a day at Disney in constipation land. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.